We've all experienced moments of pain and suffering. And while each of us carry different crosses, suffering is something that is a part of every one of our stories. But how do you pray when you are struggling to find the words to express that pain or trauma? And how do you validate the emotions that you experience in these valleys of life and embrace them as a gift instead of stuffing them down someplace very deep inside of you? And in those hard seasons that seem to stretch on forever, how can you refresh your faith and find the peace that lasts? Hey, welcome to Letters to Women. This is a podcast where we explore and embrace what St. Pope John Paul II called the feminine genius, this unique strength and dignity that we have as women and what growing in that looks like practically in our daily lives. This is not a podcast about defining the one perfect way to be a woman or shoving yourself into a box or a set of expectations that you never feel like you fit into. Instead, you'll find conversations with women in a variety of seasons of life, and you'll hear about how they are living out their own unique feminine genius. And this is all offered as an encouragement for you to discover more about who you are and how you are called to live out your feminine genius. My name is Chloe Langer. I'm a wife and mom living here in Kansas City, and I sit down to record these conversations with other women after I've tucked my toddlers into bed and I've bribed our dog to be quiet for 30 minutes. But sometimes my crew doesn't sleep and the dog doesn't accept the dog tree bribe. So a fair warning about any background noise in the conversation today. But it's here in these last few hours of the day that I get to reflect on how incredible the feminine genius is and what an honor it is to join women from all walks of life in conversation about it and then to share those conversations with you. In this episode, I'm sitting down with KJ Ramsey. She intimately understands the reality of fear and the reward of courage. A survivor of spiritual abuse and religious trauma who suffers from chronic illness, KJ is a licensed counselor who recognizes the chasm that opens between our hearts and hope when life just hurts. Through her struggle with emotional and physical pain, KJ discovered a route to connection and joy, courage, the practice of trusting that we will be held and loved no matter what. So we're talking about praying the Psalms word by word, how courage has impacted KJ's journey of trauma and chronic pain, and the importance of witnesses in our lives as women. So if you're walking through a valley, a challenging season, and you want to cultivate courage and compassion, and reignite joy. Sister, this letter is for you. Today's episode of Letters to Women is sponsored by The Little Catholic Box. The Little Catholic Box is a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. Each quarter, Erica curates unique and gorgeous Catholic items around a spiritual theme. It is a delight to be a subscriber, and it's also a blessing to the artists, creators, and small businesses whose items are featured. Their first box of 2023 is going to be released in early February, but you can subscribe now to reserve one. As a special bonus for Letters to Women listeners, you can get 10% off your first box by visiting the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters. You don't need a coupon code. The 10% discount will only appear during checkout before finalizing your order. So visit the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters. Today, I'm welcoming KJ Ramsey to the podcast. KJ is a trauma-informed licensed professional counselor and an author whose work offers space to see every part of our souls and stories as sacred. She holds degrees from Covenant College and Denver Seminary, and is the author of This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace Where Suffering Lingers. KJ writes at the intersection of theology, psychology, and spiritual formation to guide readers in recovering the rhythm of resilience through nervous system regulation and the wonder of communion with God. She and her husband, Ryan, along with their two exceptionally cuddly dogs, Merton and Risa, live near Denver, Colorado, where KJ listens for the liturgy of life in wildflowers, sunsets, sorrow, and church. KJ, welcome to Letters to Women. It's such an honor to get to sit down with you on the show. 
It's so good to be with you. So today we're going to be talking about courage, about praying with the Psalms, and about poetry. But before we dive in, and especially for listeners who are meeting you for the first time, can you tell me about your story as a woman? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny to think about it through the framing of being a woman. I spent today, I'm a therapist, and I spent today talking to a lot of female clients who were reflecting on just what was modeled to them of what it means to be a woman. And a lot of what we were paying attention to was we weren't given a picture of womanhood that includes rest, actually taking care of ourselves, but always taking care of everyone else. And so I think I frame talking about who I am as a woman and that part of my story has included my body basically begging for rest through experiencing autoimmune disease and the effects of complex trauma and coming to this place of like being a woman means welcoming my humanness and my physical need to care for myself and my body. So disease has been a big part of that, but my experiences in the church, my husband and I have experienced a lot of religious trauma, spiritual abuse. As we've been healing from that, I think that it's moving me into further wholeness, but it starts with this like deep need for rest. Yes, I think we as women are so good at making space for others and the reminder to make space for ourselves to heal and and to rest is such a a good reminder and a countercultural one. Like you said, reflecting with clients today, there's not a lot of examples that we see of women making space to rest themselves without feeling um, like that's selfish or unnecessary or that they should be strong and not need that. Right. Yeah, like it's unfaithful in some way. You've recently written a brand new book. It's called The Book of Common Courage, Prayers and Poems to Find Strength in Small Moments. And I'm really excited to dive further with you into your experience of writing the book. But first, could you tell me about how you structured this book and what a reader will find when she opens up this beautiful cover? Oh, well, I walk word by word and phrase by phrase through Psalm 23 in this book, which is a a nod really to the book that I wrote came out this past June, The Lord is My Courage. And that's more of a memoir and like spiritual reflection. This is prayers and poems where we're really meditating on Jesus as our good shepherd. And so in the way that I've broken it down, we get to see Jesus as human, Jesus as hungry, Jesus as a man without a home, Um, Jesus as always reaching toward the people on the margins. To write it was a beautiful experience of getting to, to look to the face of Christ and see that his face is still turned toward me, even though the faces of some shepherds and shepherding figures in my life have turned away from me and people I love. So yeah, the book is, it's it's poetry and prayers. The prayers are all collects, which is really in the tradition of the Book of Common Prayer with the Anglican Church and Episcopalian churches. It's full of pictures and it's really meant to be something that you can read slowly, that you can pick up here and there. You can read it all the way through, but you can also just come to it when you're having a hard day or a hard moment and and let it give you some words to hold you. I've loved praying with the Psalms for the past couple of years and to have the opportunity with your book to sit down and pray word by word. I think especially with Psalm 23 that so many of us have that one close to our heart and could recite it almost from memory from hearing it so often. To sit down with that psalm in particular and really truly enter into it and each phrase and what each specific word means and that it's inspired and there for a reason is just a phenomenal experience to enter into with this book. 
Oh my goodness. I I mean, getting to write it and getting to write the book that came before it, it was just like such a a rich beast. Um, there is so much more to this psalm than I had ever been taught or had ever encountered. There's so much more in the the phrasing and in the original language of the way that God really does seek us out where we're struggling and soothes us back into strength. And I would say for for those who are listening, if you're wanting to get really deep into like the meaning of the Hebrew words and like what what can this mean contextually I, I go a lot deeper into that in the Lord is my courage in the um, just straight up nonfiction book that came before this one but in this one it's like here's a chapter is my shepherd and there's a collect opens it up where we face that Christ was led out into the wilderness right after his baptism this is a shepherd Hebrew says who who knows our weaknesses because he's actually felt all of them, that he's been to the place where Satan tempted him in every way. This is who our shepherd is, that like the brutality and the barriers of life don't cancel out that we're beloved. They didn't do that for Jesus and they don't for us either. So it's really like a, a poetic rendering to get us into to praying beneath the lines and between the lines of the psalm. Yes. Oh, there's something, there's always a deeper place to go in the Psalms in particular mm-hmm. that I found in prayer. And I love that you brought up this that specific passage in your book because I was praying with that chapter of Matthew this morning. So it's beautiful to see all of these oh, things wow. come in, come into play. So, okay. So you finished this book while you were walking through your own dark valley of chronic illness. And you talk about this in the, in the introduction and you've also been unpacking this on social media. Can you tell me about what courage looks like? in your own life while experiencing both chronic pain and trauma, spiritual trauma, and how courage as a practice has impacted that journey. Mm, definitely. So, you know, as I mentioned before, chronic illness has been a part of my life for a really long time now, but it became a bigger part again in this last year. Actually, I'm like three days away from it being one year since I, I got COVID and we initially didn't know it, which was very frustrating just with the way testing works, but it ended up um, triggering this cascade of issues in my body of diseases that I will um, I will be dealing with for the rest of my life. And I'm on major treatment for IVIG is the biggest thing. And so courage right now is like a very practical practice of accepting what my body really needs in order to function and not get infections that will topple me um, of like this treatment that I get every three weeks puts me in bed from anywhere from two days to four to seven and like not functioning. Like all I can care for are my bodily needs when I'm in bed recovering. And it's every three weeks, which is pretty ridiculously frequent when, when you take into account that recovery. And so it's been important to trust that like there will be enough time to do my work that like I can set down all of this work and put it in God's hands while I rest that like it's more than enough to take care of my body that like drinking water (laughs) and getting myself to the bathroom and making sure I eat enough just being that's all I can tend to in those days that that's enough that's faith faith can be that small courage can look that small and it can also look like letting people send me a meal on DoorDash and show up at my doorstep with food for that week um, to accept that kindness. I think 
is what courage is looking like right now. So yeah, I feel like I, I keep learning this lesson just over and over in my life that caring for this body is courageous and that to tend to my bodily needs is an, is a way to trust Christ, that Christ will provide for all that I need on my good days and my bad days. And there, like the Psalm says, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, that goodness and love really are seeking me out. The bad days that I have are not the the only thing that's coming for me in the future, but that there's goodness ahead for me too. So that's particularly with health, but that was a lot. So I'll stop. <laughs> it reminds me of a, another Psalm that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Uh, and how so often yes. that's an anchor one for me. So often we think, Oh Lord, like well, once heaven comes, then this will all make sense. And I, I will see your goodness. But I think that one and, and everything that you just shared is just this reminder that no, his, his goodness. I love that follows me here on this on this side of heaven and just especially on the hard days to anchor to that i want to just say one thing about that part of the psalm will follow me follow in hebrew is the word radaf and it's this really strong word that's only used by david and in the old testament in the context of like the negative context of david talking about except for here but david talking about being like followed and haunted harassed by his enemies, um, and particularly by King Saul. And then here in the Psalm, in Psalm 23, he basically flips the script on persecution. And he says, your love, your goodness and your love haunt me and harass me and hound me more than all harm and more than all who would try to harm me. Like that's what the Psalm is saying. And I just can't get over how beautiful that image is of like goodness and love are like people Um, This divine goodness and love are following us, seeking us out, like tracking us down. We can't get away from it. They're coming for us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is such a good reminder, too, of grace, how the Lord, he comes after us. I think especially with goodness and just joy in general, it's easy in life to think, oh, I have to do something to go get that or to go to to accomplish that right. myself but it to be reminded that no he pursues us he he reaches out for us first it, i don't think it can get old or but that i will outgrow my need to remember that god is seeking me more than i am seeking god and i can rest in that and i think i think i want to say for those listening that like you can rest in that even if you set down all the things that you think can connect you to God. If you didn't do any of the of the practical spiritual practices that you that you have right now and that maybe feel stale, God would still be seeking you. God still is seeking you. I just think there's there's a really great reversal that can happen in our lives when we kind of have to set down the things that we've done for God or to create some sort of sense of connection to God. And, and just like get to experience the sweetness that God's still there gazing on us with love. Flipping through your book, it also contains, so it contains these reflections on the Psalms. It also contains poetry. And I love that it included a poem from your grandma. How does encountering poetry, both from the Psalms, but then also from other authors, and in this case, your own family, help us enter into prayer, especially in seasons where it is really difficult to find words to express that experience of pain? 
Yeah, it was so special to get to include a poem from my grandma because she's she's always written poems my whole life. Um, and occasionally throughout the year, she's shared them with me. And I really, it wasn't till, it was, a, I never really planned on like becoming a poet. It just kind of happened naturally and organically and through kind of other people calling it forth out of me. And so it was really cool to realize like, oh, this was a inheritance and I didn't, know it and there's that there is a beautiful family connection there and just as I think poetry has sustained her in some of her really hard and dark valleys it has for me too and you know the psalms were probably the first place where I I learned to really love poetry I think the power of poetry including in the psalms is it pierces through our pretenses and it penetrates us with this honesty that we are not used to having around us and just the way that the way that our families work that society works that the church can work poetry often is brutally honest and there's something very piercing there's this poem i can't remember which where exactly it is in the book where I am kind of reflecting on this power of poetry and a later one where I talk about how Christ Christ pierced the veil. Like there's there's something about poetry that I think really reflects and like images who Christ is in that his his life and death did pierce the veil that that stood between us and God. That there's this poetic divine imaging of piercing through the clouds that are covering over our our day that we feel confused about where we're headed we feel a lack of consolation and words can pierce through those clouds and and put either a pinprick of light onto the thing that feels really hard or sometimes even more than that a sliver a whole spot to sit and bathe in the light um, I think honesty has the power to do that. And poetry kind of gets past our pretenses and our defenses of having to know enough and say the right things. And it it speaks, I think it moves to the sensation emotion level um, in a way that we need in order to allow light to pierce through our clouds. There are so many times that I've been praying with the Psalms where I've gone to the Psalms when experiencing something especially challenging because, and you you put, put it perfectly, it's just this honesty of prayer. Like, Lord, how long am I going to sit here in this experience? Yeah. And I love to, the, the arc of the Psalms too, where it's this, this wrestling that is so obvious and honest. And then not knowing the time that passes between that experience of the psalm and in the same psalm, the sense of relief. I love the light piercing through the clouds like, but you, oh Lord, you know me and you're here. And I think being able to pray with that, especially in seasons where like it can be challenging to even pray, to even start to pray again, those to be able to enter into it through those is just such a gift. Yeah. Um, the poet Emily Dickinson, that's so beloved, obviously, once said, pain is missed in praise. It's one of her poems. And I think that we as Christians often miss our pain and the possibility of profound faith because we're trying to praise 
too quickly. And the Psalms just over and over again show us that pain is the way to praise, that being honest about the pain and honest about our hopelessness, that this is taking too long and God, we don't know where you are, but that's actually the like relational and physical movement that makes the space for hope and praise to be possible. And I, I just love that the Psalms have given us that that language and that permission. And I think it's time for all of us to to take that permission um, and become a people where there is more of a norm of being able to be honest about what is hard, because that is what makes us people of hope. You know, throughout the book, you talk about the importance of, of witnesses and witness. And I think this this ties right into it, having this this courage to bear witness to our lives, honestly, as well as the gift of friends who share in those joys and who share in those challenges. Why is the presence of those witnesses and the experience of this witness crucial in seasons of pain and suffering? Yeah. So as I've mentioned, I'm a trauma therapist and something that I know through my work and study is that when we are overwhelmed, particularly when we're really overwhelmed and we're shutting down we actually can't find our way back to hope by ourselves. Physiologically, we need the presence of another human being who is safe and kind when we're at the bottom of the bottom as the pit to help us physically feel strong enough to get back up and rise. And it's, it's something called co-regulation that the presence of another person can give our nervous system a sense of safety and soothing so that we do feel safe enough to step up and and show up in our lives again. Um, and I think that too few of us have those people or are like trying, we're, we're, many of us are trying to form those kinds of relationships or maybe we just have one and that's a beautiful thing to have. But what I've tried to do in this book and the reason it's called Book of Common Courage, aside from being a riff off of the Book of Common Prayer, is that I really do believe that courage is something we hold in common, that we can confer courage onto each other through the presence, through our presence of kindness and safety and support. And so I've tried to almost um, distill that down and create a way to experience something of that kind of presence in words in these prayers and in these poems so that like sitting there you can have the sense that you're not alone um that you're not alone in in asking questions of god and feeling exhausted by your story um in having another hard day that you don't want to have you're not alone in it and because there's the witness of my voice and the witness of christ himself here perhaps you can feel courage rise because you didn't have to summon it. You just were surrounded by it with some words. So that's my hope is that this can be like a, a taste of that courage that we um, and that communion that we all need all the time and especially on our hardest days. Oh, it's so true. Yes. And I think of, of two of the vulnerability and the courage that it takes to form those friendships and those deep relationships where face to face where someone can surround you with the courage that you need. Oh, yes. And your book does this so beautifully, KJ. It does it. It does really do this through words. Yeah, I'm really grateful. I just I feel really I feel so much tenderness 
toward those who'd feel like they don't have those people. And so many of the people that I work with as a therapist and also that I interact with, with, with readers, I think feel that way. There's so many trauma survivors really in who interact with my work. And a lot of us are relearning how to relate and how to like know that we can trust somebody is safe. And this in, is just like one small way that I'm trying to give room, room to to try on being supported because sometimes we need some like smaller steps before we sit down and have coffee with someone or, or you need, yeah, just like a safe place to get that, that feeling of being supported because I think it's actually really scary to try to trust that somebody would really want to love us and not just fix us or eventually leave us, you know? So I just want I felt that news to be spoken. Um, because it's not it's not easy. None of none of this the courage of relating is not easy. And I, I just never want people to to feel that that part of their life is missed or minimized. For listeners who who are tuning in, they want to pick up a copy of your brand new book, The Book of Common Courage. How can they connect with you after this podcast episode to learn more about your work as a writer and as a as a counselor? And then where can they find a copy of The Book of Common Courage? Yeah, so you you can find me on social media everywhere at KJ Ramsey Writes. Writes as in writing, like writing a book. And you can find copies of the book wherever books are sold. Um, but also there's a ton of links at bookofcommoncourage.com. And then I have one last question for you this evening. This podcast, I, I ask this to every woman who comes on the show. And it is this idea of exploring what St. Pope John Paul II calls the genius of women, this unique ability that women have to bring forth and nurture life in the world, both physically and spiritually. How do you live out the feminine genius in your ordinary daily life as a woman who's encouraging others in the practice of finding courage to heal? I love this question so, so much. Um, and I want to answer it, begin answering it by quoting another woman. So my husband recently read a book about grief by a woman and um, a therapist named Anna Marie Fidel Rice. And she says, grief is a feminine process of holding and birthing. Grief holds us. And if we grieve consciously, grief gives us birth. And then later she says, the feminine process of grief is experienced by both men and women. Grief is the container, the womb. And I, I think that my vocation and maybe the unique feminine genius that God has imprinted in me is to be that kind of womb. Maybe it's like a, oh, somebody actually, this is just coming to my mind. One time in a podcast, someone called me their like grief doula. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, or their suffering doula or something like that. Or midwife. I don't know which yes. one. And I, I think it's true. Like there is in this, the way that God has made this world, life and death are bound up together. And when we can grieve and we can, we can honor what has died and what has shattered what the the seed that splits and is sown into the ground that is actually the beginning of new life and i think that that is a vocation that god has given to me is to welcome people to witness the womb of grief in their life and um, the new life that's coming out of it 
goodness, KJ, I'm going to sit and pray with that for weeks. That is lovely. The idea of grief as a womb. I mean, it's not lovely when you're in it. It can be really challenging and no. hard. It like <laughs> yeah. actually is really sucky. But the idea that, that and the reminder that, that there there's a space of birth and that Oh, yep. The grain of wheat. Oh, that was wonderful. Thank you so much for your reflection on the feminine genius, for your work and your writing and for coming on the show tonight. This has been such a, such a gift. It's been a joy. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. You can check out the show notes for my conversation with KJ on my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com, or just scroll down in your podcast player for links to get a copy of KJ's new book, The Book of Common Courage, and learn more about her work as a counselor and follow her on social media. In the show notes, you'll also find a link to the Little Catholic Box. They're the sponsor for today's episode. And finally, you're going to find a link to sign up to my newsletter, Naptime Notes. Every month, I share my favorite reads, the books that the girls checked out from the library, the podcasts that I'm tuning into, and a braggable thrift store find. Naptime Notes is always going to be free. But when you subscribe for $5 a month, you get early and ad-free access to all the Letters to Women podcast episodes before they go live. If you listen to the podcast and you love the conversations and the guests of the show, please leave a rating and a review, especially if you tune in via iTunes. And if you know a woman who would love this conversation with KJ, please send this episode her way. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a future episode. And I've got a lot of great episodes to share with you in the new year, including a real and gritty conversation about marriage right before Valentine's Day next month. If you want to share about a guest you'd love to see on the show or share your experience as a listener, you can send me an email at letters to women at gmail.com. I'd love to connect with you. That's all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.